Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City. Welcome to Sunday service. It's always a pleasure to welcome you all here. Um, we are so thankful that you all are here um, to uh, just worship the Lord um, here at River City. It's important to us. We actually have the spirit of our church on the walls if you're our first, first time visitor. And it's important to us throughout the service that we are creating space, living in love, practicing community transformation and spiritual formation. And one of the ways we practice spiritual formation is reading from the lectionary, which is a set of scriptures that is incorporated in services all around the world. Um, and we're reading this Sunday from Psalm 138. And it says... I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For, your, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the way, sing of the ways of the Lord, for the great is for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And we bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you that when we called you, you answered. Thank you that your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, God, that you are so faithful, that you love us unconditionally. Thank you that you remind us of these things even when we want to turn away. We thank you, Father God, that you are just holy and good. You are a father to the orphans, a mother to the motherless. We thank you that you are both sister and brother. 
that we as the church are your bride. You have chosen us and we are your beloved. What a beautiful love letter you have left for us, God, and we are so thankful. God, we pray for River City this Sunday. We acknowledge that we are able to gather above ground, but we pray for our sisters and brothers in Christ who are gathering in, in the darkness or in secret, that those who are maybe intimidated by your grace and mercy, Father God, who are trying to suppress that your word, but we know that you are faithful, God, and that you will allow your word to be extended from coast to coast, from ocean to ocean. We thank you for this Sunday, for all those who are joining us, and we thank you for our visitors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to move into prayers of the people. It's important that we share each other's burdens, that we celebrate with you. There'll be time during this prayers of the people where you'll get an opportunity to share out loud your prayers. Please do that. The response today, I will say we give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart. And your response will be because of your love and faithfulness. Your church enters into the holiness of your temple, O God having toiled in the work you have given us to do. Let the power of your resurrection be manifest in our lives to accomplish your purposes on earth. As we pray, we give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart because of your love and faithfulness. You call the church to put out into the deep water and to let down our nets in obedient labor for Christ. Grant us your abundant grace through the outpouring of your spirit and increase our strength within us. We give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart. Let the rulers of the earth praise you and hear the words of your mouth, Lord, that they may look with their eyes, listen with their ears, comprehend with their minds, and turn and be healed. We give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart. Look upon those who walk in the midst of trouble, violence, oppression, injustice, disease, and poverty, and protect them with your enduring love, never abandoning the work of your hands. We give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart. Remember the people of this community, caring for the lowly and keeping us safe from all harm, that you may make good your purpose for us filling us with the abundance of your blessing. We give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart. We are a sinful people in the presence of the holy. Hear our prayers for those in need as we share them aloud now. You have glorified your name and your word above all things. Accept our praise and thanksgiving as we share that aloud now. 
Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your love endures forever. Receive into your glorious presence those who have passed on, those we remember aloud now. We give thanks to you, O God, with our whole heart because of your love and faithfulness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. Direct your servants with your empowering word, O God, that when you ask, whom shall I send? Our answer will be, here am I, send me. And then equip us to share in your abundant work that the earth may be filled with your glory through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so going to jump in. We got, we got plenty of time left. So we've been walking through kind of an idea about revealing Jesus through the text that we've been reading. We've been reading a lot of scriptures around his life. We just traveled through Mark recently. Even in the Advent season, we were talking about things that revealed Jesus. And so today, we're going to focus another, on another talk that reveals something about Jesus. But two weeks ago, we shared the passage where Jesus grabs the scroll and stands in front of a synagogue. And he highlights in Isaiah, Isaiah 61. And we hear that this will be his, this is his kind of like coming out party of what his ministry will be. This will be what he focuses on. So if you pull up this, this was just the the nugget that he read from the scroll to these people. And then he did the whole kind of drop it and sit back and they all looked at him and he said, and today it's fulfilled. And it was like, what? So he was saying to them, this is our, this is my mission. And it was the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the liberty, set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And interestingly, we notice that in the previous Isaiah 61, there was actually another piece that Jesus omits, which was in the vengeance of the Lord. So this is not Josh omitting. He reads Isaiah 61, but takes out that part. And I think this is my personal take on it. He now stands in the place of vengeance, right? He now stands as the one who receives all vengeance. And so his message is a message of love. That's his message. That's pretty great, right? That's a pretty good God. So today we're going to jump into a passage from the Corinthian church. And just a little bit about the Corinthian church. You've all heard this. This is one of the, the books when I was in seminary that I had to dive into. I actually had to do it in the Greek. I don't know the Greek. I don't remember it. I know some words. Um, I know yada, yada, yada means to know, to know, to know. Do you know that? To know, to know, to know. So I know a lot of other words too, but I'm, I'm not as smart as I'd like to be. So, but this, this community, the whole book is about this body not knowing how to be together. And so the first chapter, the second chapter, the third chapter are talking about unity. And almost so much where you're like, I think we get it. But think about this. This church is a new church carrying the message of the gospel and the spoken words of the apostles. And they're having to remember those. But then they start to have all kinds of crazy divisions. Some of the most interesting ones, it's a massive one right off the bat, was that one of the younger men had decided to be with his father's wife, which sounds amazing, correct? That's an actual thing that's happening in the Corinthian church. 
And a couple of passages later, it talks about how some of the leaders had taken advantage of understanding their freedom related to meat offered to idols. And they don't understand that some things are appropriate and some things are not. So there's this passage about, well, what are we allowed to do? What are we free from? And then some people are like, you're free to do whatever you want. It doesn't even matter anymore. And some people are like, no, we're not free at all. But the idea is he's asking people to step back from themselves and begin to understand the implication of your actions, right? A couple of things that just jump off the page to me are Christian culture today. 20 years ago, you talk about alcohol in the church, and a lot of churches, they'd ask you to leave, right? Now it's like, who cares, right? Some of you are probably drinking right now. Like you probably, you probably are like three or four drinks in, in the church. But we understand what's happening, that we're to exercise self-control. So the issue here is that you have to exercise self-control. If, if what I receive to be a freedom, I know for myself I cannot drink alcohol. So if what you perceive to be a freedom impacts somebody like me, and there's somebody like me in every room, there's 30 of us in this room, and we don't exercise wisdom and restraint to know that when there are people whose whole families have been decimated by something, that's abuse of something, correct? Because it's harming the body, right? And that can be anything, right? That can be anything. You're harming the body, and so you step back and you say, what I desire is not more important than the community. That's so important. A couple passages later, they start to get into spiritual gifts. And everybody has an idea about how it should happen. Everybody feels like this is the way it should happen. This is the way it should happen. They actually, the whole chapter 13 is about how to have a worship service. And they, he says things like, if one prophet stands up in a, in a community and starts to give a prophecy, and another one stands up, it doesn't even matter if the first one's saying the thing from the Lord, sit down. The Lord will give you another time, right? Like he rewrites like this, no, but God gave me a message and I'm going to speak it. Like, no, you, you're not going to just speak it whenever you want. You're going to understand the unity of the body, right? Like that's chapter 13. And then it carries on into, but, but the big thing that's revealed is there's a massive amount of pride in this church. And it's not unlike any church. It's easy to look at the Corinthian church and be like, well, they were, they were idiots. If our stuff was listed in a book, River City, first, first River City, Chapter 1, 1st Mount Perrin, Chapter 1, 1st Passion City, Chapter 1, 1st North Cleveland Church of God, Chapter 1, 1st Pentecostal Holiness of the Mountain of Ephesians of the whatever, Chapter 1. If anybody's junk was listed, like, in, it would, it would look like this. That's just the way it is, right? And so this is actually a gift to see how Paul deals with a community that's struggling with things like this. He doesn't throw in the towel on him. Like chapter 16 is not, and this is where I throw in the towel because you're all idiots. He continues to draw them back to unity. And specifically today, he gives us content to when it's really hard and difficult to figure out what's going on, regather around this. If you're struggling with this and this, regather around this. This is the core of the gospel. Today's church, I, I think he would be shocked to hear how many denominations we have. Like there's a hundred thousand or so denominations. I mean, and that's, there's, there's actually good things about being connected to, to, to groups. Like we're a part of a group, Transformation Network. There's six of us and there's really great benefits to that. There's always ways to abuse, right? But there's a hundred thousand denominations and those usually start some led by God, led by the spirit. Some let's just do something different. I don't like this. So I'm doing this, right? I don't like that you preach for 30 minutes. You should preach for 45 minutes. We're going to start a new denomination. It's called 45-Minute Preaching Denomination. I don't like that you do three worship songs 
and you start with a secular song. So let's do four worship songs, and they all have to be this. You know, like we decide we want something a certain way, and we create movements around it. Some of those movements are founded in God, especially the ones on this content, right? But this is such an important talk for us to have right now. This is what's happening in Christian culture right now. And this is not a stone at our culture or our younger people. But 20 years ago, and this is, again, back to this podcast that you all should listen to called This Cultural Moment, which gives you a great snapshot into the culture of church today. But 20 years ago, you could assume a pastor would look at a group of people and think, I assume that most of you read Scripture four to five times a week. I assume that most of you understand a sexual ethic of Jesus and how that is an intimate thing created to be sacred. I assume that most of you are working on your marriage if you're in one and trying to make it better. I assume that you consider being the, the gathering of the body of Christ an essential thing. All of those things are out the window now. Christian culture today, you cannot assume any of that anymore. Most people do not even know the core essentials of what they believe, right? And so this is why it's become easier for people to label a few behaviors to gather around. This is what happens. Make sure you don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's easier to do that than to really dive into what we believe, right? It's much easier to say, well, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, so I can be a part of this community. And this is all false, of course, right? With Jesus, Jesus is this idea of now handing over everything. Like you're the center and the core of what makes my decisions, right? And we're offered, this is where I was like, pray for me before, because I don't want to go on a tangent. But in today's American culture, you're offered two versions of a kingdom typically. One is founded in a conservative agenda and one is founded in a liberal agenda. And what's happened is they've got so many trappings that look like the kingdom of God, but neither carry the king. And so we hop on a train thinking this will get us where we want to go. And it ends up somewhere you're like, I didn't know it was going there. And we hop on this train because this one is in love with loving people. And it's in love with the marginalized. And this one's in love with power and protection. And all these things seem to be found, but neither one of them leads you to the king. So there's a third way. You have to back up as a Christian. You have to realize that in churches across America, most people do not even gather around the text. Do not even sit with someone else and just say, and it's not about saying, this is what this says, go do it. Just to sit and be like, let's read this together. What's being said here? What does that mean? That struck some, that's not even happening anymore. So we look at pastors like me and expect, or whoever, that person to provide all the information that's needed. It's not going to be enough. This is such a gift to us right now to hear this call, draw back around the things that got us here. Draw back around the simple things that got us here. There's a painter that uh, we went and saw a couple weeks ago. His name is Scott the Painter. And I've actually loved his stuff for a while. We've been showing his stuff. This is one of his most recent things. He creates sacred icons to help in meditation and prayer in, in a time where you feel like you're, you just need to center yourself on Jesus. And so this is one I ordered. It's one of 100. It's 93. I don't know why I just told any of you that, but I guess it's just cool to know that. But So he's coming to our church and the table April 2nd. He's going to be here with us um, during Holy Week. We're going to have a prayer thing downstairs. He does this thing called the Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. 
Um, it's a Tuesday. It'll be amazing. But he, I was watching a video last night. He does this series about the church, why the church needs art, still needs art. And one of the things he was saying is something I always thought, but, and I have so much of an intro today, but um, this idea of religion says this, and you can pull this up. It should be um, on, the, on the PowerPoint. Religion says this, believe, behave, and belong. And that's typically what most of us have heard or been raised in. Do these three things, and then as you begin to produce some kind of behavior, you begin to belong. Jesus says something different. Jesus says, belong, and as you belong, right, it's come and follow me. As you belong and kind of understand and go on the journey with him, you begin to believe what he believes, and as you begin to believe what Jesus believes, it begins to produce what? Behavior. Behavior fruit. You're always right, so I'll figure out a way. It's behavior fruit. So we work so hard, though, right? So many conversations are about, well, tell me what you believe about this. Tell me. And it's usually about a behavior. Instead of drawing people back to this core essential that we've got to start having conversations on, we've got to dive deeper into this. And this is what this passage today is trying to share with us. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. But as you open to that, Jesus is who gives us our belonging. There's only artificial belonging outside of that. Jesus shows us how belonging looks. Because of that, we begin to believe, and because we believe, it produces behavior. You can never expect to produce a behavior before somebody believes. If you are extracting behavior before somebody believes or belongs, it's just a facade. It's all fake, and you know that because it's when, it ha when it's happened to you, it's not worked. Correct? All right, so I'm going to read this passage to you, and then I'm going to read a bunch more scripture, so it's going to be a good day. All right, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, speaking of the Old Testament scriptures, specifically passages like Isaiah 53, speaking towards the prophecies of Jesus being the answer. Again, four, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with those scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then he to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, witnesses, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, Paul, for I am the least of the apostles. Really? Paul? Okay, the only... I love Paul, like, because he knows that's important, because guys like me think that about him, right? I love that. Unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, that it was me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe you believed. Let's pray real quick. Father, this text is inspired. 
It is the word of God. It is the authority. But it's also an interaction in community with your Holy Spirit leading us in it to hear what it is you are saying. And if we're willing to plumb the depths of these scriptures, alone and together, we will find great treasures. Treasures that will sustain us in community, in tumultuous times, when people demand that we have answers about behavior, but you ask us to draw into the depths. Today, as we read this, Father, show us what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So in uncertainty and conflict, which is the Christian culture, it's important to go back to the basics. You guys remember last week, for those of you who were, who's, who's here last week? Raise your hand. Okay. We sang a song last week, just the words, Jesus, we love you. You remember when we did this. I personally think it was one of the most spiritual, moving moments I have ever had in a church service to me. I don't know why. We were trying to talk about why. I think the men came back from retreat. They were all juiced up and giddy. Like people were walking in like, what's wrong with the men? Like we're just happy, you know, like to be alive. But the content of just that phrasing, right? The content, Jesus, we love you, is something that we can all look at each other's faces and say, we both believe this. We can both gather around this. So when we sing it, it's like, yes, right? Like those lyrics, you don't hear lyrics right now. We're not going to be singing songs about like in 20 years or like, God, you remember when we created 100,000 denominations. Remember when we did that? We thought we were better. We knew what to do. Like all of us would be like. These lyrics, Jesus, we love you, right? This is why I love hymns. This is why I love simple songs. We can gather around and just erupt in these things that are core to what we believe. Jesus, we love you. Are you still laughing at my song? I wrote the song. If you want to produce it, I'm getting some credit, right? Jesus, we love you, right? Like, let's try it again. One, two, three. Jesus, we love That's so sweet. That's not really. That's not last week, but it's all right. Oh, how we love. It's such a sweet song. That's so good. So that's, I also don't want to like try and reproduce an event that God did in our life. We all, we all do that too. I go to a conference and we're like, dude, we're doing that every week forever. Why not better, right? Like why not better every week? That's what our church used to say. Like why not better? Why not better today? Right. Maybe because God wants to do something different today. I don't know. Like, but Jesus loves us, right? Raise your hand if Jesus loves us and we know this, right? Like that's the song I sing to my son every night. Jesus loves me, this I know. See? All right, that's enough, guys. Come on. So, like, Paul, Paul is speaking to a group that is belonging in tumultuous conversations. Remember, somebody is sleeping with their dad's wife. This is the text. He is speaking to this group in belonging, working towards a common thread, and he says, Gather around this. Can you pull up this really quickly? We're going to do a repetitive reading, and it's not going to sound liturgical, right? Like, it's going to, we're going to read this together, right? This is what he says. You gather around this when you don't know what to do about what's going on, when you're confused about a certain other thing, when you don't know what to do with spiritual gifts, when you don't know how to do gatherings. Gather around this. Come back to this together. We're going to read it together. One, two, three. 
Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He then appeared to many. We're going to read it one more time like we mean it, okay? One, two, three. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He then appeared to many. One more time, even louder. I don't care. I know you're like, shut up, dude. We're going to do one more time louder. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He then appeared to many. When everything is jacked up around everything, return to this. Return to this. Plumb the depths of that. You could spend five weeks picking that apart. You could dive so deeply into that that most of your conversations come out of that. Does this mean we don't have tough conversations? No, but it means this is the gathering point. This is why it felt so good to sing that with you, because we all affirm this. We all look at this and say, yes, it is Jesus. That's why we're here. He did do that. And make no mistake, this is a true story. This is not an allegory or a metaphor. This is what happened. And that's what he goes in to say, 12 through 30. For the people, and how he labeled false teachers were people that say Jesus didn't die and Jesus didn't, wasn't raised. That was how you recognized false teaching. We throw the, the term around false teaching around such secondary things that we need to be careful what we're saying. We need to be careful what we're saying. But if somebody ever says to you, yeah, Jesus wasn't, he didn't die, he wasn't raised, this is like a pretty story. That also isn't, it's not your job to start fighting them, right? It's not like, oh, but that's, yeah, it's time to fight, right? Jesus doesn't need you to protect him either. He needs you to gather on. He actually gives you three entry points. He says, when you are struggling, do these three things with this content and, and fight for it. And, and the three points are, what did you receive? What did you receive was the first thing. And I'm going to read the second thing because I just forgot it. Actually, that was the second thing. What was proclaimed to you? Everybody say proclaimed. What did you receive? Say receive. And what are you standing in? That must mean that you're not standing in it. That's the way, though. The entry points back into these contents when our culture, and here's why I think it's so important for us. Because our culture is leading us into conversations. It's the fastest shifting culture in history, and we all know why. Social media, the technology available. Our kids have never had a season where when they wanted something, they could not get it within minutes. That is changing the way a human lives, to have whatever you need. And this is not us, again, destroying our kids or go, go live in a commune. It's just the reality that they don't know a world where you have to work two weeks to get something. When my son wants to know why are there earthquakes in Hawaii, he Googles it and he knows it. And that's everything. So our culture now, right? We're in a culture that is also rapidly changing ethically. And this is important because our culture is drawing lines and demanding things. And this is the portion of the movement happening now I do not like. I do believe that we are being told we can't say certain things or you will be destroyed, right? And anytime there's a dominant position in a society, they start controlling language. And language control 
is the first step to defending. Again, listen to the podcast. And I'm not going too far here, but it's important to know that just because our culture is demanding that we draw a hard line about something, it does not mean that you are watering down the word of God when you do not take the bait for that. Because they're not interested truly in the message of the gospel. So when we decide, no, we're, t- we're drawing a hard line out because our culture told us we have to do this or this. When we decide we draw the hard line, we're just taking the bait. It's not helping. It's not leading. And we know this to be true because if you read the story of Jesus in John 8, which I'm reading to you now, you see how to do this. Can you pull this up for me? There's a group of people who bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they are demanding, rightfully so, in the Old Testament, she to be stoned, which is actual scripture. And this is what happens. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Asking for the hard line. I need your hard line right now. They said this to test him. They say this to draw a response. It's not for what you think it is. That they might have some charge to bring against him. That they might have some charge to bring against us. So Jesus in his crafty Jesusness does the most beautiful thing ever. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. They might have caught charge against them. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And nobody knows. I know people say, well, he was writing. He was drawing an igthus. He was drawing a picture of Kirk Cameron, like way before he (laughs) into Tim Tebow. And then it was like, and everybody Tebowed. We don't know what he was drawing. I mean, honestly, and it doesn't even matter because what the story is telling us is more important. And he saw, he saw them stop. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, and we don't know. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they now? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. This just makes me want to weep right now. It's just, just straight out crying. I'm not even a crier. No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And before you want to jump on the bandwagon, but he labeled her sin. Like there's some of you in the room like, but he labeled her sin. Who is labeling her sin? Who is labeling her sin? Who originally was labeling her sin? Who did she hear it from? Who did she not hear it from? Who did she hear it from? Who did she not hear it from? Right, the beautiful end of this story would have been this. These guys to realize, oh my gosh, he's inviting them into this content we're preaching on today. He's saying, all of you are sinners and Christ died for all who have sinned was buried and was raised. He's inviting them into the story. They don't want any part with it because they didn't show up for that. So when you feel the urge to jump on whatever and draw a line, make sure you're being prompted by Jesus or you're just having a conversation that's meaningless because Jesus bends down with her. You belong. The first thing, right? You belong. You are, you're, you're evidently guilty The Old Testament speaks of this. 
you could actually be killed right now. You belong. By the way, guys, all of you here needing the hard line, let's talk about each of the sins in your lives. Let's do that. No one's willing to do that. And he's actually just inviting them into the story. But I'm actually saying this to you, and what he wanted for the Pharisees from the beginning was for them to be drawn into the story. I see, I can self-assess enough to say, I also need what I'm demanding from her. And my sin might not look like adultery, but it is pride and it is evident. My sin might look like me being so protective of something that I'm harming those Jesus sent me to love. He's trying to invite them into the story. Another way that story could have ended is Jesus, what if Jesus would have done what many of us do? You're right, the Old Testament says that, stoner. How beautiful would that be to read? We'd all, like, without this whole, this whole thing would have changed. This, everything we do would have a different tone to it because Jesus was part of stoning someone. Who else did Jesus stone? Anyone? How many? Who did Jesus stone? How, say it loud like you mean it. Right. Jesus wasn't in the business of stoning people. He was in the business of inserting himself into people's lives while they were still sinners, showing them that you belong, follow me until you believe, and then out of that will come such beautiful behavior. This is the message of 1 Corinthians 15. And then he lists some, some things that are so important to talk through. He lists these, this like ridiculous list of witnesses. Like, and then it came to this guy, Cephas, who I'm always scared to read his name in front of people because I'm certain I'm saying it wrong. I have no idea how to say it. It's probably something completely different. And then to them, and then to the 12, and then to the 500, and then da 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 And these people are still alive. He's, he's recounting how this story has entered these people's lives because he's hoping the people listening will go to those people and be like, we were just hanging out with Jesus, and he was like, he mentioned you, Cephas, or whatever, how you say your name, but he mentioned that you had also received this gospel. Tell us about what happened, dude. And, and then he said to the 12, so I know some of you guys are still alive, so... Tell us about what happened, about what? Well, he said specifically about these things. Like he was talking about how Jesus was buried and raised from the dead, and that's all crazy. Tell me about that. No, we're going to tell you about spiritual gifts right now. No, tell me about that. No, we're going to tell you about liturgy right now. No, tell me about, no, we're going to tell you about mission right now. No, Jesus specifically said through Paul to come talk to you about how he was dead, buried, raised, and came back to life. How did that play out in your life? How did that play out in your life? Guys, if that's the foundation, we can have all kinds of other things and secondary stuff. This is the foundation of everything. Paul's story is crazy. I'm going to read a little bit of this. See, this is why he gets all grace-related, because he knows when he shares his story, and just like some of us, we feel like we can build a ministry around how Jesus has touched us and all of a sudden draw all these eyes to us. That's why Paul overdoes it. And it's like, no, you are awesome. We read Paul and we're like, no, you're so awesome. You've done so much. Like your, your story, the way that you wanted to harm us, but now you're, you've written books in the Bible. Like you're, but he, he always is talking about how he's one of the least. If, I don't have Acts up there, do I? Acts 9, you know the story. He's met on the road, right? He's blinded. He's on his way to harm Christians, and he's met by an angel that says, why are you persecuting me? He's blind for three days, and he becomes the greatest gospel messenger in history. His story but all of us have a story, right? In any way, have you received this? And one of the people I read said this, actually. And you can pull up this quote for me. Whenever Christ turns a life around, heals a marriage, 
transitions a bitter heart, forgives a sinner, leads a fearful person to love, or shows a greedy person how to give, there is a witness ready to take the stand to tell the good news of God's grace. So you have to ask yourself, what does this community have to hear about what Christ did in you? What do do we have to hear about what God did in you? And if we gather around, right? Who knows that passage in Revelation? Like, they will overcome by what? By two things. What are they? Blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. The blood of the Lamb is talking about this again. These things and the word of your testimony. It's like we receive from people this story. People have stewarded this message for so long, right? And we're the generation, and this has never happened before, we know all the things to add to it to make it perfect now. We know all the things to make church what it needs to be. We're in a generation where no one has any discipline. No one wants to sit in front of the text and struggle through it. No one wants to even meet in churches anymore. One time per month is considered a member of a church. That's like, that's normal, right? We have to regather around the common grounds. We have to fall back in love with these places that do this. It doesn't matter how relevant we are. It doesn't matter. Like I was, we were listening to the radio and the girl that sings Christian music. And I was like, I didn't know Adele sang Christian songs now. And then she was like, no, that's, uh, that's Laura Dangle. And I was like, I just called her Dangle. And that's probably not good. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's basically Adele. It's Christian version of Adele. But she was like on, it's, she's on like regular radio. And Christians are like, she like totally made it. Like she's on radio. Why do we care so much about that? Like when Jars of Clay had their song back in the day, it was like, yeah, like everybody want to be a Jars of Clay friend because it, they made it into culture, right? Like, oh my gosh, we can make it into culture. That's why Tim Tebow is such a massive deal. That's why Upward Sports is such a big thing because we're doing the things our culture's doing. Christians are trying to copy culture always. Who cares if you sound like somebody? Be you, right? Return to these normative things that carried the gospel. It's okay to do sacred things and to not be relevant, right? Relevance is not going to get us anywhere if we're not being formed spiritually. If we don't understand how to approach a text and dive into it. We don't know how to have a conversation with another Christian who thinks differently than us. We shouldn't even be speaking. And I'm not saying the content that you would is not right. I'm saying if you don't know how to do that. You should just back off for a little while. Return to this stuff. Understand that how you love each other is so important. These are the things that are so simple to do. We're not needing to be like the next version of Facebook or to take over or create our own interweb, like the Christian version, right? Or even to like really like lay into PureFlix, right? Who's got that on there? Whose who's number one app is PureFlix right now? Okay, we don't even have to go there. That's not anybody's number one app because we're trying to do what culture's doing. It's not working. Community gathered around Jesus about his things, there's nothing that can replace that. So moms, dads, people, family, we live in a culture that's telling us to perform, the, have the best athletes, to be the best moms. You're facing it every single day on Instagram. All the moms in here are like, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome. I hate myself. Okay, I'm going in here. (laughs) But not just for you worship leaders. Oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. That guy's got like little quotes. He's got a huge screen behind him. Pastors, like how many pastors on social media are standing in front of a massive screen with a crowd? What are we saying? It's not about that, and it never will be. 
regather around the things that will carry the gospel to our kids and their kids that are needed, right? And stop telling them it's all ending in 10 years because then they don't even want to do it. They're just like, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. We're just going to wait that out, right? If it was ending tomorrow, jump into the scriptures today. Chew on it. If you do it right, something will leap with inside you that has never left before and you will fall in love with Jesus in a way you never have. You may need to back up a little bit to reapproach it. Gathering in community, you can't replace this. Don't watch somebody online, right? Like, and don't just gather to listen to me and then leave without interacting with someone. We're the body of Christ. That, the implications of that are massive. We pray together, he listens. We present our request to him, he listens. When we have prayers of the people, I know for some of you that's hard. This sounds like it's a Lutheran church. This is, say your prayer out. If you're spirit-filled, there's your moment to be like, I can shout. Here's my prayer. Do it. I want to hear your prayers, guys. I don't know why I'm screaming right now. Sorry. She said, it's very intense. I thought she would say, no, you're doing good. But she said, it's very, it's awesome. Ah. So I'm going to close. I'm going to close. Three questions. How would Jesus approach your behavior right now? Because many of you already right now are just living in behavior land. And you don't even want to approach Jesus because of your behavior. Remember, he would approach you because of belonging. His first conversations with you are, why do you not feel like you belong to me? Do you not know that you belong to me? Let's look at what you believe. That's what he's doing to this church. Here's what y'all are fighting about. Let's go back to what you believe. What you do comes out of what you believe. Do you believe what I said about you? Do you believe what I'm doing for you? And then you behave. What would he say about your behavior right now? If you're, if you're handing him a stone, he's not going to throw it at you. Even if you're like, but I'm praying, and they say we're two or three are gathered, and you're supposed to stone me now. He's not going to do it. You'll be the first person on that list. Second thing, put your rocks down towards other people. Put them down. You might have a great point, but if your heart isn't the kind of heart that sits next to them while they're crying and loves them until they know they belong, they don't want to hear it, and they never will. You're not even saying it for them. You're saying it for you. They don't want it. Put your rocks down. Go to Jesus with it. Let him do it. The last thing is, Stories. Share your story. We share more stories. We have more people leave our church because we're so open to letting people speak than any other church. Share your story. Share it. People have to hear what's going on with you. Transparency starts with you inserting your story or listening to someone else. Share your story and share your story about how this happened to you. How did he raise you from the dead? How did he do that? For me, you all know my story. I was a drug addict, legitimately. I still have like moments where I'm like, that'd be kind of fun to do it. I have to return. Being saved daily is what that says. I have to return each day. How is he saving you right now? Sorry I got so intense, people. Thank you. Thank you. Encouraging. Stand with me, please. God, I've never felt so passionate about the center of your gospel. I've never felt so much clarity about how to enter a culture demanding us to have hard lines and us taking the bait and inserting ourselves in people's lives and lovingly say, who is casting stones at you now? I am with you. 
I want so badly to, for people to taste and see that you are good, Father, that when you decide to say, go and sin no more, it can be received because all of us have sin. That's not the goal, to alleviate that people sin. The goal is that if they're not listening to you, it doesn't even matter if they're hearing it. Help us to be the community that falls so deeply in love with you, Jesus, that when people are in our space, in our homes, at the ball field with us, they're like, man, there's something so different about you. And it's not just because we love Tim Tebow or listen to somebody, but it's because of the way we are as humans, alive, inserted into dark places like you are, God, incarnate humans, sent on mission to love people into belonging so that they can believe, and then they can then affect people. God, we thank you that we get to be this. Hold your hands out. Father, forgive us. Take the things, the stones that we're trying to throw at people because we're afraid this is the generation that's going to go to pass. It's not. This has been happening all along. This is such a great invitation to be drawn back to you. We evidently need you. Relevance hasn't worked. Pure flicks hasn't worked. Christian music hasn't worked. You work, Jesus. Help us to get ourselves into conversations with you. God, forgive us for wanting answers to questions so we don't have to dig into the scriptures. Let us love people so well, God, that people want to hear about you. And I pray in Jesus' name that each of you has an opportunity to tell the story about how Jesus has been the risen Lord for you. The literal rose from the dead changed everything for you. God, give each of them a moment this week to share the story in such a way that someone cries, yes, I want that. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be this. So good. For the next few moments, I just want you to just respond to him. Prayer teams will be available. We'll close in a couple minutes. Prayer teams, could you go ahead and come up? People, just be responsive to Jesus right now. Father, we pray that you would bless our community as we go. We thank you for every good gift. It's all from you. Thank you for each other. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.